0: Welcome to Nerd Out at Spotify, where we bring you behind the curtain of the world's most popular audio streaming subscription service, machine learning, open source, clouds, tabs versus spaces. We'll talk to Spotify engineers about interesting tech issues, big and small. Machine learning depends on data. Usually the more data, the better. If you want to make a computer the best three-dimensional tic-tac-toe player that ever lived, feed it all the 3D tic-tac-toe games ever played. But as advanced as machine learning is as a technology, it still follows one of computing's oldest and most basic rules. Garbage in, garbage out. If your data is a mess, then your ML models will be a mess too. And suddenly, you're recommending death metal tracks for a baby's naptime playlist and a piano sonata during a workout. With a half trillion events happening on Spotify's platform every day, that's trillion with a T, data is both the answer and the problem. At that scale, how do you even begin to sort it all out? And ultimately, how do you turn that much data into insights that teams can actually use to build features? In this episode, you'll hear from Laura Lake, Senior Director of Insights for Spotify's Personalization Team, also known as PZN. Before Laura joins me here, I'll play the tape back from a conversation she had with our producers. She talked about what working with data was like when she first arrived at Spotify, how back then even simple questions were difficult to answer. But I heard that conversation. It sounded like a critical point in Spotify's history to me and I really wanted to know more. So after we hear that, Laura will drop in to talk more about what it took for Spotify to get over our data hump and what kinds of things we can do now that we just couldn't do before. So up first, Here's Laura talking about why machine learning is so important for the work the personalization team does, and what it means to create individual, personalized experiences for hundreds of millions of listeners around the world.
1: I suppose in a nutshell, that sort of describes the whole of PCM. So the whole of personalization is really about ML. So when I talk to people about personalization at Spotify, what is personalization and how do we even go about doing that? I really think about the scale that we work at. Our job is really to connect the things that listeners actually want with the things that creators actually make. And what PZM's job is and what personalization's role is, is to connect these sort of wants, whether that's music or podcasts. We sort of build those connections, we smush those two worlds together. So we're really the people that work at the scale of trying to smush together. 365 million active listeners, 4 billion plus playlists, 700 million plus tracks, and 178 markets, and find some way of finding a connection between all of those things. In order for us to do that kind of stuff at scale, we need ML to do that. So that's the kind of backbone of personalization. We have to have ML in order to be able to do something which enables all of those millions of decisions that happen every moment to make some form of sense. So If we want to create listening experiences at that kind of scale that go beyond just accessing a library of audio, we use data machines to do that. So for us, the starting point of creating personalized listening experiences at scale is really the data inputs. We develop a whole lot of data of knowledge models that actually help us to understand all of those data inputs in that world. And we use all of that to create the personalized content experiences. So the unique experience that we give everybody, that that uniqueness is fully dependent on the data inputs that we have. So data quality to us in personalization matters a lot. I think every day there's something like half a trillion events on Spotify, and that kind of volume of data that we have is perfect for us to be able to use ML to curate and make these personalized experiences at scale. The data inputs and the quality of those is really important. So the data quality that we have really matters to us. So a lot of the work that we've been doing in personalization that I've been really involved with and very interested in is pimping up our data engine. So when I first came to Spotify and and I joined personalization, I had a whole load of insights people talking to me and they're sort of saying, well, it would be really nice if we could actually just do our jobs instead of trying to magically make version of the world by knitting together 50 different data sources just to answer one very small question and they said wouldn't it be great if we didn't have to do that anymore because we could actually just get on plug that data in and do something really useful with it and i was like sorry what what's going on i'm at spotify surely this stuff works and they were like no it really doesn't and i was like okay we might need to fix that so We spent a lot of time, we spent, I don't know, two and a half years in personalization working on data quality. That's where everything around data engine and ML is the product and all of those things have been generated from this real need from everybody in personalization to improve our data inputs. Because without that, we can't do our jobs. So personalization does not exist unless you have good quality data. Our data inputs include ingested and annotated content and metadata and behavioral logging. And those are the sort of things that were really useful to us. We spent a lot of time working out how much of the front end clients was instrumented, how much of the sort of logging of the backend services were instrumented and done well. And we spent a lot of time with us and Platform and others trying to work out that landscape and plug those holes and make that thing a lot better. So some of our key data sets, the user behavior interaction data, so the UBI data that we created, which was the first sort of user journey data at Spotify. And from that, the rest has happened and we're now all actively using that. And it's fantastic and it makes a huge difference to us. The amount of time that it saves, insights and engineering, just in having good quality data, it cannot be underestimated. It makes all of our lives a much better place. So data inputs, super important. It sounds very boring. We were so excited to be working on it. I can't tell you there were so many of us who were just made up to be doing that. Step two is then doing something useful with some of that data. So at PZN, we spend a lot of our time developing knowledge models. The data inputs power our foundational knowledge models that really deepen our understanding of relationships between pieces of content, so whether that's a song or a podcast, entities, so whether that's an artist, a host, or a playlist, and listeners. So we do a lot of work in vectors, for example, where we look at the three-dimensional space and we look at the distance between songs, the distance between artists, and we can build relationships between those. The kind of outputs of those knowledge models are the building blocks that we base our user-facing experiences with, distance between songs, similar artists, whether songs are associated with a particular term. So we spend a lot of time looking at users' playlists and what do users tag a particular song as? What does it feel like to them? Is this song something that somebody thinks of as being really chilled? Or is it something that they rock out to at the gym, like that really makes them sort of pumped and out when they're doing their gym workout? I don't know. So we take a lot of that and that helps us to give some description to some of the songs too. And from that, we build a whole lot of knowledge models. We use vectors, we have content descriptors, discovery, affinity, so podcasting, music affinity and artist affinity and things like that. And those knowledge models are really important to us. So We love building knowledge models and we get very excited because we want to understand these things. If we don't have them, then we can't build personalization well. So from those knowledge models, we then do step three, which is we create features. So we use those things and we create all sorts of feature models, whether that's the home experience, so the home ranking and actually how home appears to an individual and the stuff that's on there. Enhance, seed mix, algorithmic Search, the sort of search returns that come back to you right through to everything from people's individual Discover Weekly, Jump Back In, Wrapped, all of those things are based off of the knowledge models and the ML that we use to do that. So ML is really important to us because it enables us to do something useful with the amazing amount of information that we get back from our listeners. From an insights perspective, we're really interested in knowing how successful or not those content recommendation systems that we effectively build through data inputs and foundational knowledge models. We're interested in trying to understand how good those ML models really are. And we spend a lot of our time trying to understand how good the quality is of the millions of sort of machine learning decisions that are taken every day. What does the quality of those look like? Were they good? Were they bad? Were they unintended? Were they unexpected? Were they problematic? Were they biased? We're interested in all of those things? So we spend a lot of time in Insights trying to understand how they impact our listeners, how they impact the creators, and ultimately how they impact the business. So we're interested in that sort of like triangle of events. We want to understand if the decisions that were made by ML, do they serve our users well? And did they serve our users in the purpose for which we thought that they were going to? So we build these MR models to deliver our users this particular experience to serve this particular purpose. So we want them to discover something new. We want them to be able to find the stuff that they love listening to really easily and spend more time listening to that stuff. But is that ultimately what happened? Or did what we do drive a different set of behaviors? Everything that we do touches ML in some way. And in Insights, we're interested in figuring out what the reality is on the ground of building these cool ML things that can do stuff at scale because without it, we can't work at scale. And so we really want to understand that and make sure that we're doing a really good job by our users. So we're often that sort of voice in the room that says, you know, hey, this is great fun stuff, but this is actually what the impact is for our users on the ground. And this is what's making a difference to them. And sometimes also, it's not about good or bad. It's about sometimes you discover the most amazing things that happened as a result of doing this that were just unexpected, and they're actually great. And it leads to this sort of voyage of discovery that people go on that you weren't expecting. And if we're working in 178 markets, we need to do this kind of stuff at scale. Otherwise, it just doesn't work.
0: So the job of machine learning is to create personalized experiences for our listeners, a Spotify made just for you. You see this personalization in action whenever you open the app. From what recommendations appear on your home screen to playlists like Discover Weekly and Daily Mix. As Laura said, connecting what listeners want with what creators make. Serving up individual unique experiences for hundreds of millions of listeners every moment of every day is a problem of scale. But our own scale was getting in the way too all those different engineers and data scientists and researchers producing and consuming data in their own little silos. To create great experiences for our users, Laura said we needed to improve how we worked with our data. And that also meant improving how our teams worked with each other. In other words, it was much more than just a technological change. When
1: we were trying to Answer really, really, really simple questions around like the home ranking system. What was that resulting in in terms of the decisions that people were making and people's path to discovering something or people creating a habit out of that stuff? And for us to answer really simple questions about what's the impact of a home ranking system on somebody's downstream listening, that question was so elusive because we just simply could not knit together the events that would help us to actually tell that story. And if you can't tell that story, how can you know whether the ML that you're using is good or bad, one. But then, two, you also stand in your own way of being able to make ML truly great. Because to make ML truly great has to have really good inputs and you have to know what it's doing. ML needs that information in order to truly be great. To basically say, hey, like that was a great decision or that wasn't such a great decision. And this led to this, but it didn't lead to that. And if you can't give it that information, then we end up hampering our capability in truly scaling because we can't really let ML do what it should be doing because it can't sort of boxed in into this small space because it has very limited amounts of information on its value. You have to do something about that. And we ended up standing in our own way, partly, I think, because one of the most wonderful things about Spotify is very autonomous. And I love that very much. It's a very held cultural value of Spotify, and it's really important to all of us. But with autonomy comes a lack of process and structure. When you want to be able to operate successfully in, say, 178 markets with this many people, you have to have some basic systems in place that enable that to happen successfully. You can't have 25 different squads contributing to one data set and for there to be no ownership models of that it just doesn't work. It's just physics, you know, it's it's like maths, like it just isn't possible for that kind of thing to work.
0: That's PZN in a a nutshell. Yes, in a nutshell. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I want to hear more about what changed at Spotify with how we work with data. And I want to hear about both technical changes and cultural changes that had to happen. Can you walk me through what the fundamental problem is of working with data at our scale? Why is it so hard? Data is effectively just noise and there's lots
2: of dots and numbers and things like that, but it's just noise until you filter out the stuff that is not relevant and you concentrate on the stuff that is relevant. So we need to be able to ingest that data and do something useful. You know, you need to make something out of that. The data machines help us to ingest that data in a way that makes sense, that basically it's not just white noise. So Data machines help us to understand what that data means and what out of it is meaningful and what's not. When we didn't have that, and we have spent a long time trying to tidy up our data in Spotify to help us to be able to see more clearly, the world was much more noisier and we were very inefficient. And it took us an awful long time to find answers to really sort of basic questions like when somebody comes in and they click this, where do they end up? And what is it that we should be giving them as a result? It's a lot of work. You know, you're talking about data scientists taking a long time to be able to answer relatively straightforward questions that we need the answers to. And they spent a lot of time in more of a sort of pea soup of data as opposed to a streamlined place of data. And we've been able to answer those questions, but at a very slow pace. And so we have invested quite a lot of time in actually making
0: our environment that we work in a lot less noisy. You touched on the data wasn't very good it was harder to do things in the past. And I'm, I'm really curious about that because I think. Even early on, Spotify had a bunch of really good recommendation products that people thought were very good, if not magical in some cases, whether it was Mm -hmm. like Discover Weekly or Daily Mix or whatever the kind of existing things were. A lot of people thought those were magic and awesome. These things worked and were awesome, but we knew we could do so much more. Yeah. And we had to do a bunch of work to fix the data. What were the things we couldn't do? And what was the day we were missing? Do you have some examples of what the dots were that we were playing with in the past and then how we connected them? over time?
2: So our products have always been highly personalized and have really been amazing at getting people both things that they are used to listening to and actually sort of bringing new things to the table as well that are relevant and that get people into discovering new music and new artists and new audio. The trouble that we've had is that to make that experience like really good, we just haven't had the data to help us do that. So all of that system where we build systems that actually recommend the right thing at the right time requires us to have good data inputs into it. And we've had up until recently what I would call like okay data inputs that have had to be supplemented by a lot of people trying to figure out a lot of stuff for too long to try and make that work. Now, when we can actually connect from when somebody uses the app to actually clicked on something on the home screen, they've listened to it for a while, they've saved it, they've come back in and they've listened to a similar artist or something affiliated to it and gone through a whole journey. All of that information, anonymized information, but nonetheless, tells us about how people are using Music and audio. And we can do so much more if we have the right data. We can really do magic. I think before we were doing magic at a very manual level, when you start extending into the size that we are and the number of people that are on our platform and the amount of music listening. When you think about Bollywood, when you think about Bollywood alone, well, would produce something like an additional 20,000 pieces of track and content in one year alone. Like that one genre, when you start ingesting that kind of quantity every single year, you have to get better and better at being able to understand relationships between things and build models to actually give people what they're after. And so it's kind of fine when a company's like Spotify is first starting out and we don't have that quantity of content, but now we're getting to a place where... You know, the amount of content that we're ingesting is huge. And it's huge like every day we ingest huge amounts of content. You multiply that up over years, and we need to be able to do something more efficiently at scale. It's a necessary step.
0: That makes a lot of sense. But the question that I constantly have here is, why is having such great data so important for those models? I mean, isn't there some super smart thing you can do on the ML side that just fills in the gaps through ML magic?
2: Um No. (laughs) So ML is, by its definition, is machine. It has to have a basic set of rules that it can then do something useful with. The problem that you have is that when you don't have meaningful data or you don't have enough non-noisy data, it's very hard for machines to do things well machines can take care of so much, but ultimately they're only as good as the data that you put in and they're only as good as some of the parameters that belong with that data as well. So I know in personalization, there are pockets that we're missing. So we would see certain amounts of a journey and we'd be missing a chunk. And we'd have to do an awful lot of research to try and figure out what that chunk was and what was in it and approximate it and then move on to the next piece. So What we were doing was, again, like smoothing that out and taking out those chunks of missing data that we'd have to basically approximate and figure that out. And we're actually quite good at doing that. But, you know, there's really no need to. It's super inefficient. So it doesn't beat having the actual data. Yeah, it's having the data is a lot easier, really. To a kind of greater point as well, ML is only part of the story. We actually have to do an awful lot of work with data to understand our listeners And that is not stuff that is actually ML related. That's stuff that is related to research and insight work and those kinds of things that actually help us to tell us what is going on and how we can better serve what our listeners want. But we can't do that without joined up data. You know, if you can't figure out when somebody came in and clicked on something at home and what they ultimately ended up listening to and what that journey looked like a day later, it's very hard to then create new paths and new products that help us to give people more of what they want. So data has two sides. It's an input into ML, but it's also an input to our actual understanding of product development. And data has to be joined up and meaningful to serve both of those purposes.
0: Yeah, not only can you not make the ML models much better, but people need to to interpret this too. That's not a place where I'd have immediately thought with these huge numbers of events and huge amount of data.
2: We have a lot of actual like real human beings that work at Spotify that spend their entire time looking at data and trying to understand what's going on and what's not working. So it's not necessarily that everything's working. You want to understand what's not working and where is it not working and why is it not working so that you can fix those things. And without having good data, you can't see that.
0: Yeah. Let's talk a a little bit about that, actually. I think you talked also about kind of knowing that the models are working and the models are doing a good job. So h- how do you do that? How do you determine that a model's doing the right thing?
2: Okay, so people that work in research and insights at Spotify, particularly within personalization, we're really interested in knowing how our content recommendation systems are actually working and their relative success. There's a lot of language around this, and probably some of the other folks that have been on this program will have talked about but humans in the loop. You can count a lot of us as being some of those humans in that loop, in that we are really interested in knowing the quality of the millions of machine learning decisions that are taken every day. We want to understand if they were good, if they were bad if they were problematic or biased and it goes back to the question that you had about can't we just put a whole lot of stuff in a machine and doesn't it just come out and it sorts all this stuff out well we know that machines are inherently biased because we as human beings create them and so if we as human beings create machines then we create machines with bias that's just how it works because it's very hard for us to be unbiased so It is also really important that we have humans that are looking at all all of this information and trying to understand those kinds of biases and understand what's going on. We are also really sort of interested in whether the things that we set up a machine to do, the decisions we've asked it to make, is the machine actually making those decisions? So is it actually deciding the right track in the right language and giving it to the right person at the right time? How successful is it in doing that? Because again, you can't just get some data, put it in a machine room, and then out comes some stuff and then wander off and just go, hey, I'm sure it'll be fine. You have to have people that are actually in there looking and checking because it's only that stuff that actually also helps us to refine those kinds of machines and make stuff better. Hence the need for good quality data
0: and people looking at it. I'm curious a little bit more about that process. You saw something like half a trillion events I think you said per day, which I guess per any amount of time is a huge amount of data. So how do you go about taking half a trillion events and making all of them better?
2: (laughs) That's a great question. We have been really trying to focus on getting our data completed in a way that makes a lot more sense to us. So I think we've had over about 40 different teams at Spotify actually collaborating to bring all of that together. So at Spotify, we're also a very autonomous organization and that has huge benefit, but That also has a flip side. So the the sort of disbenefit of that sort of model of working is that a lot of the stuff that we have is more disjointed. Um, We don't have a huge amount of centralization of a lot of our processes. So you'll find different teams solving the same problem in a slightly different way. So it's not just the fact that we didn't quite have our data linking together. It's actually some of it's down to the way that we work, which is really autonomous. And that's great. You do have to have some structure so that you don't have, you know, five different teams trying to effectively solve for the same problem, but just doing it in a slightly different way that doesn't have that joined utility for the whole of the company. And when you take all of those teams and join them all together and they sit in the same room and they're like, oh, Do we not know? I thought you were looking after that. No, I didn't. No, that's not my. That's not. That's over there. And nobody. You know, it wasn't for any reason of people not wanting to do it. I think it was one of the things that people were wanting to do for a very long time, but needed the cultural step to say actually that information is meaningful to you, that you actually do want to see that, and this will help you as a team, and you as a team, and you as a team, to do your work even better. And then when you start joining them together, it becomes really obvious where your major gaps are. And we saw them loud and clear. And that meant that we could really sort of prioritize fixing the big kind of clangers where we just had serious gaps of knowledge that we were just having to expend so much energy to try and fill that gap. I don't know. It's one of those things that Spotify is really good at community efforts. That's how we're built. And I think if you can have a community really care about this stuff. It's amazing how much we actually
0: get done. Are there things that are possible now that weren't possible before now that we have this much better data? Or is it really just a matter of moving faster and not having to spend a bunch of time filling gaps, but we're effectively building the same things? It's both. So we can
2: move a huge amount faster. So things that used to come to questions that we would have about what's the impact of this when we've launched this new thing and everything from Discover Weekly to Daily Mix to Wrapped to all of those things, we can now really understand very quickly how those things are working, what's working and what's not working, what the ultimate downstream results are from that so that we can improve it. So our rate of putting something out there validating it, understanding it, and re-ingesting that information and improving our products, our rate has increased quite significantly. So speed brings with it the ability to think more deeply into the future about what is possible and where we can go with really sort of understanding audio for people. So it has the effect of not just creating efficiency within a company, but it also has the effect of changing the dynamic, your horizon of where you can go in the future as well. It's also helped us to be able to, because we can connect the dots, think about you know features and ways of doing things that we didn't really think about before. And it's meant that we can really churn through ideas and figure out stuff that works and figure out
0: stuff that really doesn't work and move. I'm curious if there are either tools or programs we've put in place that are kind of beyond just the cultural piece, beyond emphasizing mm-hmm. the importance, but like things that exist that either kind of force or make it by far kind of the easiest path to value data?
2: We have a ton of stuff that we do. We have golden data set paths and things like that, that raise the sort of standard of the data that we have. And our golden data set pathway is really important because it really sets the bar and the standard for our most important Data sets and the things that we actually value the most and that underpin a lot of what we do. So there has been a huge amount of work and effort to really understand the small number of data sets that are super important to us and giving them real sort of kudos, knowledge, people looking after them documented pathways, all of those things. And it means that as a community of people that work with this data, we know exactly what it is that we're working with. So it kind of like takes away a lot of the guesswork that probably we had before and a lot of the manual work behind. And there has been a huge amount of work to make that happen.
0: It's like the cultural thing is emphasizing that the data people are important and this golden data set stuff is really emphasizing which data is important and making sure everyone knows it. That's great. One more thing I'm curious, you talked a lot about efforts that have happened at Spotify to improve data quality while you've been here. What did you think of the data when you got here, given that you've spent so much time making it better? (laughs) That's
2: a really good question. When I first came to Spotify, I think the thing that I was excited to be in was to be in a true big data environment. And that was, for me, fantastic because it opens up the door in, in my field to be able to do all sorts of things, and to truly be able to do listener journey work that you can't do elsewhere. So the actual access to data and the quantity of data and the volume of it was really quite phenomenal, and it was wonderful to come into that environment. What needed to happen was that environment needed to be made more usable. So it's like having the most awesome amusement park, like with so much stuff in there that you can kind of go and do stuff with but not really having like a map of actually like where do I want to go and how do I want to get there and what's going to be the most fun and which ride should I get on. And like there was no real ability to navigate all of that. It's amazing how much we've been able to do without having that sort of guidance system and that 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 map at Spotify. And we had it in pockets, but in no way that was joined up. When I came in, I really saw a huge amount of opportunity That is very rare in companies. It's very rare that you get the data and you get the culture and the willingness to do something about it. It takes a while to get everybody joined up and get everyone in the same room and making that stuff happen. But ultimately we did. And that's a very rare quality.
0: That was a significantly nicer answer than I was expecting, given how much (laughs) of your energy has been put into (laughs) fixing the data since you got here. Thank you so much for joining us. This was a lot of fun.
2: Thank you, Dave, for inviting me.
0: Aside of all this work stuff, uh, what else do you nerd out about?
2: Oh gosh, I'm a fitness nerd. Like bodybuilding type of fitness, that kind of thing. I love doing that. So I go to the gym probably more than I should. That is actually healthy for you. I nerd out about different ways of doing different exercises on different things. So like I am a bit of a fitness nerd and a strange person when it comes to that. And I'm
0: okay with that. Thanks for listening to Nerd Out at Spotify. Next episode, we're going to talk about a new open source tool we built for musicians. It's called, let me say this very carefully so you don't mishear me. It's called Basic Pitch with a P. It lets you hum a melody and turn it into a guitar solo or turn a violin solo into an orchestra. Follow and subscribe to learn all about our neural network for turning audio into MIDI and the ML research behind how it was made. No Out at Spotify is produced by Spotify's Ted Vergakis and by Seaplane Armada, who also wrote our splendid theme song. I'm Dave Zolotuski. Thanks for nerding out with us.